0: Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Editor's Highlight podcast for the March issue of the journal Chest. We're hoping to have a new microphone for the podcast next month, so hopefully my audio quality will do justice to the great content in this month's issue. I'll touch on manuscripts from each of our content areas over the next 10 minutes or so. In our asthma section this month, Maddox and colleagues addressed an important question about adherence to asthma biologics. In particular, they assessed whether adherence to inhaled corticosteroids was associated with subsequent adherence to biologic therapy. They identified some practical associations. First, adherence to asthma biologics was higher than adherence to inhaled corticosteroids. Second, adherence to inhaled corticosteroids prior to and after the start of a biologic was associated with adherence to the biologic. This finding may help to identify those in need of frequent contact after the addition of a biologic. In our chest infection section this month, Narain and colleagues explored whether immunomodulatory therapies improved survival in patients with COVID-19 cytokine storm. In this retrospective analysis of over 5,700 patients with COVID-19 cytokine storm, Treatment with corticosteroids and tocilizumab, an anti-IL-6 antibody, led to improved survival compared to treatment with corticosteroids alone, corticosteroids with an anti-IL-1 antibody, or no immunomodulatory therapy. This finding stresses the need to consider features of the disease, such as the presence of the cytokine storm, when assessing the value of treatment. Other manuscripts published in this section include an evaluation of spontaneous pneumothorax as the presentation of COVID-19 in the emergency department, a description of trends in the prevalence of non-tuberculous mycobacterial infection in patients with non-cystic fibrosis bronchiectasis in South Korea, and a description of an inflammatory phenotype of lower respiratory tract myeloid cells that harbor SARS-CoV-2. In our COPD section this month, Anani and colleagues aim to determine whether age-affected outcomes in patients with symptomatic COPD and a history of exacerbations when treated with a single inhaler triple therapy, LAMA, LABA, and inhaled corticosteroid combination, compared to dual therapy with the ICS LABA or LAMA-LABA alone. They found that moderate to severe exacerbation rates were lower with triple therapy across all age ranges, with the greatest decline noted in those 65 and older without any new safety signals. This finding should raise our comfort in prescribing triple inhaler therapy in our older symptomatic COPD patients. Other research appearing in this section addresses the risk of unintentional discontinuation of long-acting bronchodilators following discharge from the hospital in older adults with COPD, and the durability of the benefit of an eight-week pulmonary rehab program on symptoms of dyspnea, anxiety, depression, and quality of life over a two-year period. Our critical care section this month includes five original research articles, The first was a systematic review and meta-analysis of the efficacy of carbapenem antibiotics for empiric treatment of nosocomial pneumonia. This work found that carbapenem-based empiric regimens were associated with lower mortality rates, particularly in those with ventilator-associated pneumonia and those with low to moderate disease severity. This finding may help with the choice of empiric antibiotics in this group. The other articles published in this section include research showing a high rate of right ventricular dysfunction in those with sepsis and higher mortality when right ventricular dysfunction is present, research that identified plasma insulin-like growth factor binding protein in the pathogenesis of ARDS 28-day mortality in platelet function, research that shows evidence of mortality benefit in severely ill COVID-19 patients treated with corticosteroids, and research that identified long bone, open fractures, and a delay in time to reduction and fixation as risk factors for fat embolism syndrome. I encourage you to read all of this fine work. Our diffuse lung disease section this month has two interesting research articles. In the first, Derlin and colleagues determined that quantitative molecular imaging of pulmonary CX-CR4 expression, a biomarker of disease activity, was able to predict response to perfenidone in prognosis in patients with IPF. This suggests that such imaging could eventually guide the decision about whether to treat or continue treatment with antifibrotic therapy. In the second article, Fry and colleagues described a cluster of workers sensitized to beryllium from exposure to beryllium-containing concrete dust in an industry not related to beryllium, highlighting the need to consider this exposure in broader clinical settings. Finally, a position paper from the Fleischner Society describes the CT features and management of pneumonitis in patients with cancer receiving targeted therapy and immune checkpoint inhibitors. In our education and clinical practice section this month, Abu Bakr and colleagues determined behavioral and neural outcomes of painful conditioning on cough and the urge to cough. They showed that pain-related decreases in cough were accompanied by widespread changes in brain activity, suggesting a modification of inputs from the airway that may help in the development of more effective therapies. Also in this section is a study that prospectively validated the CORAD structured imaging report and the CT severity score as COVID-19 diagnostic and prognostic tools in the emergency department. This simple imaging reporting system may help with early management decisions for these patients. I encourage you to read the How I Do It articles on the use of diaphragm ultrasound in mechanical ventilation weaning and on restarting respiratory clinical research during a pandemic that round out this section. In our pulmonary and cardiovascular section, you will find a systematic review and meta-analysis of the incidence of venous thromboembolism in hospitalized patients with COVID-19 by Jimenez and colleagues. They found a pooled incidence of DVT of 17%, PE around 7%, and nearly 4% with a major bleeding episode. The highest rates of venous thromboembolism were noted in ICU patients when screening for the venous thromboembolism was prospective. These results highlight the need to be aware of this disease complication when managing hospitalized COVID-19 patients. A separate research letter published in this issue supports these findings. I would also encourage you to take a look at an interesting report of mitomycin C-induced pulmonary veno-occlusive disease from data collected in the French Pulmonary Hypertension Registry, also appearing in this month's issue. The chest sleep medicine section this month includes two original research articles recognizing the night-to-night variability of respiratory events in patients with suspected obstructive sleep apnea The first aimed to determine the number of sleep study nights required to diagnose obstructive sleep apnea accurately. Using the pulse oximetry index, the authors found substantial variability night-to-night with improved sensitivity and specificity over the course of 14 days. Eight days were required to boost both the sensitivity and specificity above 90%. This highlights the need to merge clinical concern with test characteristics when assessing for obstructive sleep apnea. I encourage you to read the second article in this section, an interesting evaluation of the impact of cervicalis stimulation on stabilizing upper airway patency in maximum inspiratory airflow. A review of disparities in sleep health management completes this section. Our thoracic oncology content area includes three original research articles this month. The first compared the performance of the PanCan lung nodule risk prediction model to lung RADs in estimating the probability of malignancy of screen-detected solid lung nodules. They found similar accuracies and less dichotomizing the results as low or high risk and found a group of Category 4 nodules from lung RADs that were low risk by PAN CAN criteria, in whom potentially avoidable procedures were performed. This study highlights the nuanced decisions that must be made when managing screen detected nodules. The other two articles in this section include one that found a similar risk of malignant pleural effusion recurrence in those with and without actionable mutations, and another that found an excellent prognosis of invasive adenocarcinoma that had been diagnosed intraoperatively as being noninvasive and thus received a sublobar resection. Finally, I encourage you to take a look at two manuscripts published in the Vantage section of our Humanities and Chess Medicine series this month. One describes the equitable allocation of a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, and the other describes categorized priority systems for allocating scarce resources. Our case series publications for the month provide novel and educational cases to test your clinical skills. A few interesting research letters and guiding reviews that I didn't have time to mention above are also very much worth your attention. I hope you enjoy reading all of the high quality content available in this month's issue of CHAST. As always, I'm grateful to the authors of this work, the reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these submissions. Into to our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the March issue.
0: Thanks for listening to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chessjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chess Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more Editor's Highlights next month.